Welcome to Connecting with Coincidence. I am your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. I am a psychiatrist in private practice and a faculty member at the University of Virginia. Each week, my guests and I talk about meaningful coincidences, synchronicity, and serendipity. We discuss synchronicity from its many perspectives, spiritually, practically, and statistically. Why? To increase your connection to coincidences so that you can benefit from coincidence awareness in your life. I've written a book also called Connecting with Coincidence. Put that phrase, Connecting with Coincidence, in your browser to find my book, Psychology Today blog, website, and social media sites. If you want to know how sensitive you are to coincidences, go to my website to take the Weird Coincidence Survey, Connecting with Coincidence. Richard Tarnas, our guest today, is the founding director of the Graduate Program in Philosophy, Cosmology, and Consciousness at the California Institute of Integral Studies in San Francisco. He teaches courses in the history of ideas, archetypal studies, depth psychology, and religious evolution. He was formerly the director of programs and education at the Esalen Institute in Big Sur. His second book, Cosmos and Psyche, Intimations of a New World View, received the Book of the Year Prize from the Scientific and Medical Network and is the basis for the upcoming documentary film, Changing of the Gods. And his chapter on synchronicity in that book is a gem. He has served on the Board of Governors for the C.G. Jung Institute of San Francisco. Rick, uh, such a pleasure to have you on the program and to be talking with you again. Thank you, Bernie. It's good to be with you. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Let's just jump right into your personal coincidences, because we can branch out from there to so much. Tell us about that one uh, at the Presidio in San Francisco. Sure. Uh, you know, just in general, I, I'm alert to... Uh, synchronicities happening of, of a wide range, uh, but every once in a while you you get a a, uh, a coincidence that is so uh, remarkable and has a kind of uh, aura of uh, the uncanny or of of, of the numinous. Numinous, uh, yeah. Yeah, that uh, something something uh, sacred about it or just unusually powerful that it that even if one's accustomed to um, perceiving the the remarkable number of synchronicities that that take place in human life nevertheless this every once in a while you get one that it was it's quite overwhelming and in this case um, this happened in relationship to uh, the death of, of one of my closest friends and I, I might point out that the, the more powerful kinds of synchronicities often seem to occur around uh, deaths and births uh, and, and um, major threshold experiences in life. Uh, that's something that's been observed by, by many um, uh, students of, of coincidences and synchronicities. I, I, I add to that uh, just the general term transitions, which, yes. uh, which gets you more general, but uh, what you're talking about is more major, and high emotion as, as well as uh, often need. Those three ca those contribute, but threshold is a nice way of talking about these, um, these, more, uh, uh, these larger ones, these more impressive ones. Yeah, with, with threshold, you, you, you bring in that kind of, well, of course, it's a kind of Jungian term, but you're bringing in that, that idea of, of really crossing a, um, a significant boundary that may open up another dimension, or in, in this case, it's just, uh, it, we're talking about births and deaths of all kinds, symbolic as well as, as, well as literal. So in this case, um, my my friend was uh, his name was Charles Harvey and uh, he he was from uh, England he lived in England uh, and when he came uh, but we we often visited each other when we were in each other's countries but uh, he suddenly died interestingly he died right on my fiftieth birthday and um, when I heard about the news uh, from from his wife uh, who wrote to me. 
in England. And uh, but because members of the family also lived here in the San Francisco Bay Area, a couple months after the the death, um, we the the family that part of the family that lived here uh, wanted to celebrate the you know honor uh, and have a kind of memorial for Charles here in the Bay Area. And we so we set up a, a, a place that would we would meet in the Presidio um, n- near the officers club there that uh, someone in the family thought was an appropriate place for for getting together and just having an informal um, little m- memorial where a, a group of about eight of us would uh, would just recall his life and and honor him. So we we came to meet at this place in the Presidio and it and it was very clear at, at once that it wasn't an appropriate place. It was really it, it, it had a lot of um, people there in a kind of uh, restaurant uh, kind of um, atmosphere. And and so we regrouped out in the parking lot and thought, where should we go? And I remembered that there was a chapel in the Presidio that was right next to a very, you know, to a, uh, an old cemetery where members of the military uh, going back to the uh, through the 19th century uh, were were buried. And so it was a Sunday uh, early afternoon and we we drove about a mile through the Presidio to where the chapel was. It overlooks the the, the bay and the Golden Gate Bridge. And we 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 came in and I saw the um, the chaplain or the the minister whose chapel it was. I, I found him in the sacri- in the in the near the sanctuary and asked him if there was any way we could just have this quiet little uh, gathering in the chapel for you know a half an hour, forty five minutes. And he he said sure. So we we gathered over in one corner of the chapel, and one after another of us were were, were uh, going to give a little talk uh, in memory of Charles. And as my, um, as the, one of the people were, uh, was speaking, um, she was looking at the rest of us as she was uh, sitting, standing up in front of us in the pews. And she suddenly looked like she had seen a ghost. Uh, she seemed to be looking just over our shoulders. Uh, and, um, we were trying to figure out what had happened, and then we we turned our, shoulder, our our heads to see what she was looking at, and there, right on the wall, was this uh, um, bronze plaque that said, "In memory of Charles Harvey, uh, 1850 to 1912." Uh, so, you know, some the I I don't remember the exact years, but it was you know from going back to the 19th century, and it was a uh, a, a major, uh, a, me- a member of the, the military with the exact same name who just happened to have uh, a, this plaque right next to the, the place that we had completely accidentally, uh, or, you know, more, more or less randomly ended up at at the last minute to hold this, this uh, memorial for him with that ex- exact same name. And uh, there was, you know, we all had a sense of, um, well, two things physically, you, you kind of get that, um, hair going up on the back of your head feeling, yes. but, uh, in addition, there was a distinct sense of presence of, uh, the person who, who, who we had lost, um, that in some sense he was there, that he, uh, or at least the universe was honoring him in this way, uh, by kind of configuring circumstances that uh, uh, allowed us to feel that more was going on than than meets the eye in a in a kind of uh, disenchanted way. So that was that was one of many. But it 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 was the first thing that came to mind when you asked for uh, whether there would be a particular synchronicity that stood out. Yes, 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 yes. Um, we have uh, two minutes left in this segment, and uh, I want to begin the, the question about uh, how you think that coincidence, that meaningful coincidence, that synchronicity happened with your group in that chapel at that time. Well, you know, 
for many years of, of both thinking about it and observing synchronicities and, and reading others' descriptions of it, I'm, I'm, I'm persuaded that the cosmos is not a completely uh, random, unintelligent, uh, blind process, but is um, saturated with intelligence uh, through and through and even a kind of artistry uh, there, that in some sense life is a great uh, artist and uh, partly I think it delights in uh, patterning uh, with even a sense of um, uh, aesthetics about it but also that it has a uh, that there's a kind of uh, moral intelligence or something that it has emotional uh, meaning for human beings that, that there is a um, a kind of I-thou relationship between every individual human being and uh, the larger universe. And the universe just overflows with uh, its intelligent patterning and if we are alert to it. As, as I might mention, most societies and cultures in history were, uh, and it's uh, really only the modern um, civilization that convinced itself that we, that we live in a in a uh, blind uh, and an unintelligent uh, universe in which human beings are the only uh, intelligent. We are uh, at the being. end of this segment, Rick, and we'll come back. You are listening to Connecting with Coincidence with your host, Bernie Beitman, on the X-Zone Broadcast Network and our guest, Rick Tarnas. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone radio show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone broadcast network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Gwilda Wiaka's latest book, The Science of Magic, Book of Mysteries, Volume 1, is the first book in a series based on her writings that open every episode of The Science of Magic radio show. Drawing on the subject matter of each guest, and armed with over 40 years' experience in shamanism, 35 years in alternative health, and degrees in psychology and religious studies, Gwilda introduces relevant and leading-edge information that supports spiritual evolution and personal empowerment. Rich with wisdom and inspirational quotes packaged in digestible segments, this is a book that will pull you from cover to cover. It will also serve as a daily inspirational reading for years to come. The Science of Magic Book of Mysteries, Volume 1, is available at our website, tsompublications.com, amazon.com, and wherever fine books are sold. Back in Victorian England, a famous theologian posed a perplexing riddle. Why are the two top personalities in the Bible tagged with the numbers 7 and 11? Academics agree the answer is found in the stunning discovery of a hitherto secret Bible structure explained in a new book called The Genesis Grid. The discovery is so simple that preschool children could illustrate it. Certain claims are hugely controversial and may offend some, but at the X-Zone, we've studied this awesome new book and agree with one expert, and I quote, These discoveries appear to be beyond coincidence. So who or what hid this wonderful pattern in the Bible, and what might they do next? Find out more, X-Zone Nation, and read reviews on www.genesisgrid.co.uk. That's www.genesisgrid.co.uk. Welcome. 
Welcome back to CC with BB, Connecting with Coincidence with Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. I'm your host, and our guest is Rick Tarnas, who's just beautifully described uh, a contraposition uh, of people who see the universe as having some intelligence and feel in it compared to uh, statistician David Hand, who sees everything as the result, all coincidences as the result of the law of truly large numbers. I mentioned David Hand right now to you, Rick, and to our audience, because he will be on our radio show in a couple of weeks. And the the difference is so vast, so amazing between uh, random and how you just described it, Rick, that it continues to astound me. And it becomes almost a choice our listeners have to look at it in either directions, as they will see from that interview with David Hand. Rick, that was that was beautifully said. And I'd like to know, um, tell our listeners just how you got tuned in to coincidences, because one of, your, one of your contributions in Cosmos and Psyche is a, a very simple, elegant description of how many people uh, become tuned in to coincidences. Uh, some get hit in the face with a big one. Some of them just, just gradually come through them through their lives. I think some people are even born, uh, as I think I was, to just see them, uh, just something, something in our makeup that makes us see them. So how did you come to your coincidence, your synchronicity? the awareness i think uh it it much like you uh i i was i seemed to be um alert to them from from pretty early on uh, of course uh, i studied uh, i studied depth psychology in at university uh which uh jung uh, carl gustav jung one of the you know major founders of of depth psychology along with with Freud and well William James in a sense, but uh, uh, many others. But Jung in particular is, of course, the person who um, came up with the whole concept of synchronicity, or he he named the phenomenon that we've just been talking about of of uh, meaningful coincidences uh, in which the uh, the patterning of events seems to be uh, is uh, is so striking. Uh, and so uh, meaningful that it gives the impression of having been uh, purposefully orchestrated by some, you know, larger intentionality. And so uh, I, I was reading, studying Jung at, at Harvard, which was probably one of the few places where Jung was, uh, was taught in psychology, in a psychology department. And um, so I, I, I was alerted to a whole th- theoretical understanding of it th- at that, from that point. And then, um, as you mentioned, I think we go. I think I've observed with many people a certain series of stages where f- first there'll be little uh, patternings, coincidences that can be brushed off as being either so trivial or or uh, not um, not sufficiently potent that it makes one think anything really deep's going on. But at some point, something can happen that has real. Uh, almost like metaphysical implications, and it and it knocks one back. Uh, it it shakes your 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 uh, skepticism, and uh, and opens up a, another way of experiencing life. And then the and then there's a, a third stage that I think many people uh, enter into, which uh, it sounds like you you are uh, uh, like this, and that is um, people who are basically alert to the a a continuing uh, presence of of synchronicities which it's as if as if life um wants to i mean synchronicities uh and we can pursue this a minute in, in a few minutes if you'd like but synchronicities seem to serve different um purposes they're not uh one uh cookie cutter cutter uh meaning um they have all sorts of uh, possible uh, kinds of meanings. And one of them is, I think, almost purely aesthetic, a kind of delight that we can take in, in the uh, patterning that seems to be way beyond what could just randomly happen. But there's other times that coincidences happen that seem to uh, bring a powerful meaning, such as the one I mentioned, where there's the, a the sense of the, pre- the presence of a, of a beloved 
who is deceased. Uh, but then there's other synchronicities, for example, that Jung used uh, in his life all the time that he used to kind of correct the one-sidedness of his conscious attitude, that the synchronicity would awaken him to something else is going on here that he needs to be alert to, and then he'd change his behavior. That, um, that is less clear to me now. I, I understand uh, the the idea uh, that Jung wanted to introduce into the Western mind uh, a more uh, Eastern way of looking at things, uh, as one way of saying it, more an intuitive way of looking at things. But the, the kinds of corrections you're talking about um, can can be just in regular life, um, just just looking one way but having to do some other way. I, 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 I like that that fears story uh, of that report about Jung um, and the stop and the watch that stopped and the decision about whether or not uh, Jung would say whether the manuscript should be published or not. Does that fit with your kind of your balance, your rebalancing of things uh, mm. as you just mentioned it? Yes. I mean, uh, does your, uh, do your, no, no um, they don't. The audience doesn't know that story. Well, so very briefly, uh, uh <clears throat> Uh, a, a man uh, named Henry Fiertz in uh, Zurich, Switzerland, was asked by uh, a publisher to come to Jung, who was at that point in his uh, later 70s or early 80s. It was in, it was in the 1950s. Uh, uh, he was asked to uh, come to Jung and ask him about whether he thought a particular manuscript that had been left behind by a scientist uh, should be published or not. And they set up the meeting at Jung's house at uh, five o'clock on a particular day. And he came at five o'clock. Uh, Jung let him in the house and they began their conversation. After um, uh, a few minutes, uh, Jung was, seemed, seemingly had a, had a generally negative attitude about the uh, manuscript being published. He felt it shouldn't be. And, but the conversation continued until at a certain point, Jung was getting a little sharp uh, in his uh, uh, responses. And then he looked at his watch, at which point um, Henry Fiertz uh, said to himself, you know, I, I imagine this is the end of the meeting. Uh, Jung's had enough. Uh, but instead, a, a puzzled look came over Jung's um, face. And he said, what time do you have? Uh, and he said, uh, 535. Uh, uh, and he said, um, and what time did we start our meeting? Uh, and Henry said, uh, five o'clock as we had decided. He said, well, my clock says five after five. Yours, uh, yours, yours is correct. And my watch is wrong. Uh, let's start this uh, meeting over. My, uh, he said, my watch has actually just just been thoroughly um, uh, gone over by a Swiss re repairman uh, who really knows what he's doing sure. and uh, should be working perfectly. My watch is wrong. Yours is correct. Let's start this discussion over again. And he, they did. They then started over, and Jung saw the whole uh, issue from a different perspective and decided, indeed, that the book should be published. Now, um, it, what Jung was basically doing there is he saw immediately that there was a parallel between the stoppage of his watch and a kind of malfunction of his uh, timepiece and a, a stoppage and a malfunction in his thinking, that both of those coincided just a few minutes after the beginning of the meeting. And he took that as an indication that he needed to kind of wake up to um, this flaw in his thinking or this, uh, it, he, he used the external coincidence, um, which is not an overwhelming coincidence by any means, but apparently uh, people who, uh, who knew him said that he was, he was constantly alert, much in the way a shaman is in a, in a tribal society or uh, Chinese sages who paid attention to the I Ching uh, were just very uh, attentive to such patternings as a way of getting a message from the whole to the part, and the part being Jung's um, narrow, narrow consciousness, and for him to wake up to the fact that something bigger is going on here. So he, he, he saw the patterning, he could read symbolic parallels like that, the way other people read a newspaper, but he did more than that. He used the coincidence as a 
uh, wake-up call to a, realizing a certain limitation in how he was thinking about uh, things at that moment. That message of the whole to the part, it's a great line. It's a great way of thinking about it. <clears throat> and coincidences are a way of describing, or synchronicity was another definition he had was things falling together in time, events falling together in time. That uh, what he described is the Chinese way of looking at things. Things are, are all of a whole at any one moment. That's right. Uh, he, he very much was influenced by uh, the, the Chinese uh, science and Chinese uh, 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 philosophical religious traditions such as we see in the I Ching. The, but the, your line I hadn't heard of the whole communicating to the part. Uh, that's, a, that's a beautiful image. Uh, and that's the way he saw it. You, the, the, in, in your book, you describe how he's tuned in to sitting in the lapping of the waves at the lake and the wind uh, making sounds on his window uh, and birds making sounds around him, that there, he was tuned in to what was going on around him on a regular basis. And it's a, it's a very wonderful way of, uh, of living uh, and tuning into things. Um, we're, we're, coming in, we're coming to the end of this segment and you are listening to Connecting with Coincidence with your host, Bernie Beitman, MD, on the Exxon Radio Net Broadcast Network, and our guest is Rick Tarnas. We'll be back after a short break. Broadcast studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, to the world and beyond. You're watching the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. The scientist and the mystic have been on an age-old, relentless search with one thing in common. They seek truth. Their paths converge in the 40,000-year-old practice of shamanism, an ancient science delving to the quantum level of life, facilitating healing, manifestation, and evolution. I'm Gwilda Wiecka, the founder and director of Path Home Shamanic Arts School, a unique Colorado State-certified occupational school, training shamanic practitioners and teachers. We also provide classes for empowering personal lives through shamanism. Our certification classes are in week-long segments, enabling international participation, and online classes and long-distance shamanic healing sessions are available. Come discover the science of magic in the limitless world of shamanism. www.findyourpathhome.com Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. Rob McConnell here, presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Jinnix, author of a fascinating book, Amen. It presents facts revealed by Egyptologists, facts that enable us to understand why Amen is the beginning of creation of God. It provides recommendations for religious leaders of the major religions to unify their beliefs and teach the word of God, love one another. Amen informs people how mankind conceived God, it was the Egyptians that developed the concepts of a soul, a hereafter, and son of God. And finally, after the worship of many gods, 
they conceived the belief in one universal God, the maker of all there is. For more information, visit www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. Welcome back to CC with BB, Connecting with Coincidence. Our guest today is Rick Tarnas, and we are talking coincidence synchronicity ideas. And Rick, when I listen to you describe um, the events, the coincidences you just described, um, there, there is a kind of mystical feel I have from your mind of, a, of that patterned intelligence universe that is trying to communicate to us in the I-thou way, as you described it earlier. Uh, there's a the feeling I get from you of being that you feel part of this larger cosmos and that you in some ways uh, are like Jung in the sense of feeling what's going on in the moment and being open to how uh, influences that are hard to describe affect you and affect your life. Um, well, uh, I, I do experience them, I think, in a way that is, is perhaps similar and, and do have a, uh, uh, both an emotional but also, I think, philosophical response to, to their existence that yeah, I think you could describe in, in that way. I think it's an, an important part of life that if we're, we're impoverished if we, um, if we don't, I think, uh, attend to them. If you, if you think about many of the great uh, writers like uh, Shakespeare's plays are just full of synchronicities and mysterious coincidences and astrological predictions uh, and omens and and so forth uh, uh, that that usually play a, um, a quite a meaningful role. I remember the uh, the novelist Milan uh, Kundera uh, once wrote that it's wrong to chide the novel for being fascinated by mysterious coincidences. But it is right to cha to chide man for being blind to such coincidences in his daily life, for he thereby deprives his life of a dimension of beauty. And I think that's he's particularly coming at it from the aesthetic point of view as a novelist, uh, Kundera. And I think that that is a, a big part of life that um, our the humanistic side of our culture, the literary, the um, films and, and uh, books and so forth are are uh, attend to but the the disenchanted scientific part of our modern mind uh, is is kind of generally tries to be uh re is quite resistant to them yes yes and i just i i i am thinking of your mind in particular and that's a beautiful uh, uh quote from kundera i haven't i heard it and glad to hear it again but your book cosmos and psyche uh is a a, a play if you will on synchronicity because you're talking about the mind and you're talking about the environment when you talk about cosmos and psyche cosmos this in this case being the entire uh universe uh or at least the solar system in which you were writing the book uh and our minds and that most synchronicities involve uh, mental events correlated in some way with uh, environmental events so that when you were writing this book and now as that I'm listening to you I can just see your mind in the solar system and beyond as you think about how coincidences happen right here on this planet. Uh, it, it it sounds uh, like you, you have a uh, a bit of a um, mystical vision capacity yourself. Um, you know, we were talking about Jung and uh, in relationship to this uh, whole phenomenon, which is a natural thing to do because he played he, he he played such a big role in the in the mid twentieth century in kind of bringing this whole. Uh, area of study and and the phenomenon and naming it into the intellectual discourse of of the 20th century. Yes. Um, and uh, I one uh, coincidence that just was quite uh, personally meaningful to me was that one day I was uh, reading through Jung's letters, 
and uh, there, I was born in, I happened to be born in Switzerland myself on February 21st, 1950, uh, in Geneva, Switzerland. And my, uh, one, uh, this letter, I happened to be looking at this letter, and in the letter, Jung was describing, uh, he, he had written to uh, a scientist uh, 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 about, he, in, in which he said, I'm, I'm sorry for uh, being late in my response, but I've been so uh, 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 overwhelmingly focused in recent weeks on the study of synchronicities, uh, and um, I'd like to ask your help uh, in, in getting some statistical uh, a, a counsel on on how to assess some of these, and he's. I, I then look at the date that he was writing this, uh, and it was uh, February twenty first, nineteen fifty, the day <laughs> I was born. Uh, and of course, he's writing it in Switzerland too. He's a Swiss. Uh, he was, he's there in Zurich. So uh, <laughs> that's that's good. That's yeah. good. That's uh, good. What did that do to you? Oh, it just, it just, it, it just was, this, again, that, that same feeling of, uh, we live in uh, a universe in which, as Shakespeare said, there are more things in heaven and earth uh, than are dreamt of in our, in our philosophy. Uh, it's, it's a, um, it's a, it's a universe of, 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 uh, that's just very deep. Nietzsche said, the world is deep, deeper than day can comprehend. Uh, by which I think he meant that the 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 usual uh, day consciousness of of the uh, skeptical reason, skeptical rationality, uh, only gets half the world, and but the the the, the other half um, is night. There's day and night, uh, the the solar and the lunar, uh, and we we need both halves. We need we need to take. In the fact that there's a, a we, we are embedded in, a, in an unfolding mystery. Uh, I'm going to tell you a coincidence because you brought up night and day this way, and I want to play with it. One that happened to me. Um, I, I met a, a young woman at dance. I go to dance, uh, a, a kind of a spontaneous, do what you want kind of dance, two or three times a week. And she said that she came up to me after I had we had danced for a while and said I, I liked your energy and she gave me her card uh, because she wanted me to tell her when the other dance um, events were going to take place. She didn't know about the other ones, and uh, we I told her and then she communicated back and invited me to something, but uh, I didn't go to that. Um, it, 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 I just didn't want didn't want to continue that relationship particularly, um, but. Uh, while we were talking, when we first met, uh, I was describing the uh, to the dance that she didn't go to, which took place on Friday night and Sunday morning. And I was trying to describe the difference between Friday night and Sunday morning. And she said, "Oh yeah, it's the difference between night and day." And and the because the Friday night is at in at night, and the Sunday one is in the morning. So and and light streams in on Sunday morning and Friday night it's all internal lit and it's kind of dark and it's a very different it's a very different atmosphere and the reason I partly bring this up is because I was referred to a Chinese medicine person uh, and uh, because I wanted a little help from a Chinese person and uh, turned out that was her father and it was a uh, that coincidence uh, just stuck in my mind as something that I didn't understand. But how do you how do you then unravel a coincidence when it happens, but you can't figure out what that means? That I'm I met the daughter, and then a father is treating me, and uh, it's a, one that's continued to to unravel to try to see what it means, because there comes some times where you can make the meaning yourself where you have to look at the uh, somewhat ambiguity of the circumstance and decide what to do with it. Yes. I think, um, I think in a way you're bringing up something that's, that's important, which is that, um, synchronicities, uh, are not, um, they don't just uh, come with a, a directive that says, this is what it means. And, uh, this is, this is how you should act on as a result of having experienced it. Yes, they're, they're more of an invitation uh, to engage in a larger field of potential meanings. It's 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 a kind of uh, invitation to a mystery rather than a uh, 
in a telegram uh, to uh, that it means this or that uh, in in a straightforward way. When you say invitation to a mystery, uh, can you apply that to the one I'm just I've just described? Yeah, I mean, I it I think um, you know Jung. interpreted synchronicities the way he interpreted dreams, which again, in, just as uh, I was mentioning before, he saw them as uh, kind of expressions of, I, I said, I put it in that they're expressions of meaning from the whole to the part, uh, yes. that is to our consciousness. But one could also, the way he would have put it is from the unconscious to the conscious. Uh, and but the unconscious for him didn't stop just inside the uh, skull of each individual. For him, he and this was really the great uh, breakthrough is that he he saw meaning as informing both the outer world and the inner world. That it wasn't just a human construct uh, or a, a human phenomenon. That he that rather we live in a meaningful universe, and that in a sense. The, what we are personally unconscious of can be carried by the, uh, you know, the the outside event that take that takes place. The watch that stops, the the golden scarab that flies in the window, uh, uh, the insect right at the moment that the woman's having the the you know the famous dream about the golden scarab uh, the, that this insect comes in the window right at that moment. And we're, we're coming to the end of this segment, too. And that connection between inner and outer and what Jung did for the world, I think we can get to next time. You are okay. listening to Connecting with Coincidence with your host, Bernie Beitman, on the X-Zone Broadcast Network with our great guest, Rick Tarnas. Named one of the world's greatest psychics, Elizabeth Joyce is now giving readings worldwide via Skype. Elizabeth Joyce is recognized for her clairvoyant ability to help find missing persons, her analysis of dreams, past life regression work, mediumship, and her accurate predictions. Elizabeth has been a frequent guest on the X-Zone radio show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, now for several years. For an appointment with Elizabeth Joyce, call 201-934-8986 or Skype at Elizabeth.Joyce. And for more information, you can always visit Elizabeth Joyce online at www.new-visions.com. The new nonfiction book, Razor of Madness, is similar to cult movies like Clockwork Orange, Dragon's Tattoo, or The Other Side of Hell. Wayne Morin Jr. and Thomas Lee Howe will expose widespread and systematic deficiencies in this thought-provoking tell-all novel. Mind control rages among scholars in law schools. Human rights are ignored while thought reform and mental manipulation are accepted practices used as behavior modification. Dr. Louis Jolion West comes to mind. Media and public scrutiny shows that United States mental hospitals are in fact destructive murder industries. Razor of Madness Exposé Novel details this epidemic through an in-depth professional and personal investigation. For decades there has been a revolving door policy that still releases killers and pedophiles back into society. The maestro of mind control continues to haunt America to this very day. Razor of Madness is available in paperback or as a downloadable ebook at Amazon.com. I'm William S. Peckham. If you enjoy a good mystery with a touch of the paranormal, then you'll love my novel, From Out of the Woodwork. It's the story of a young Toronto contractor, Sean Kennedy, who buys derelict homes, guts them, and turns them into multifamily dwellings. Slums just waiting to happen. When Sean buys 29 Livery Lane, the house fights back. Former owners unexpectedly come out of the woodwork as he starts the destruction. The apparitions come to him when he touches old books, reads hidden letters, rummages through old boxes, finds a locket or reads a discovered manuscript of a murder mystery. 
From out of the woodwork, we'll take you from 1899 to the horror of the World Trade Center, September 11, 2001. Check out From Out of the Woodwork on my website, www.williamspeckham.com. Welcome back to CC with BB, connecting with coincidence with Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD, and our our guest today is Rick Tarnas, and we're going cosmos on on this cosmos and psyche. We're getting out into the broad universe and putting our minds out there with uh, with Rick, who's who's there and helping us, helping me get there again. And it's a pleasure being out there with with you, Rick. So, but what what let's talk about um, Jung some more and his effect on Western consciousness um, as you have uh, described and written about uh, how did he bring uh, discourse of synchronicity into the general public and what's your understanding of his of, of his concept of psychological transformation and the psychology of religious experience particularly with your understanding of the evolution of religion well I think um in, in general, we could say about Jung's attitude towards synchronicities is that he, he started observing the, uh, these pretty early in his adult life as a, um, I mean, actually, as he said, he, he grew up in a, in a culture in a part of Switzerland that, that was more uh, rural and uh, was already uh, open to a kind of enchanted view of of nature, uh, clock stopping at the time of of a person's death, or uh, uh, many uh, birds landing on on that person's home, that kind of thing. That was just part of the folk culture that he uh, grew up with. But, and, and and Freud too. Now that you mention it, was true. born born in rural areas outside of Vienna, and was also more open to uh, Hasidic kinds of thinking, which were more of a mystical bent than what happened in the big city. And there's some some ideas that uh, Freud um, was was. Um, indebted to the Jewish uh, mystical tradition in writing about some of the things that uh, became psychoanalysis. Yes, I, th I, think, I think that's the case. And I think Freud had a, a kind of internal battle between this, this more, uh, let's call it, um, you know, en enchanted or spiritual, mystical uh, side of him uh, that took dreams seriously, for example, that was not something that most scientists were doing, uh, psychiatrists at the turn of the 20th century. Um, and, uh, that side of him versus, uh, this more, um, kind of neutral rationality that, uh, was part of the, the mainstream scientific tradition. And I think he kept having to take his, his, this kind of, uh, wider sensibility and then narrow it into the, uh, the the more neutral language and concept conceptual framework of of uh, what became psychoanalysis in order to bring psychoanalysis into the mainstream culture Jung was a little more uh, for many reasons was was more willing to uh, push the paradigm boundary line further yes 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 and, and so so Jung came from a Yes. Go ahead. Yes. With that. Yeah. To, to keep going with that, what he what, then you know he went to university and medical school, etc. But he he uh, for over twenty years he was observing uh, significant coincidences happening with his patients, uh, uh, in uh, especially happening at, at meaningful times in their uh, like threshold periods of transformation, and then he uh, also w w noticed them in terms of astrological synchronicities, and then his studies of the I Ching, but he didn't bring it into any kind of public discussion until uh, over twenty years later in nineteen. 51, he gave his uh, final lecture at Aronos in Switzerland, and he at there uh, formulated the idea of synchronicity. And I think one of the reasons he was willing to do it by that point is that he had been doing a lot of uh, collaboration with the physicist uh, Wolfgang Pauli, uh, the quantum physicist, who uh, was very interested in similar things, and they they were seeing parallels between 
the quantum physics research and the psychological research. And so uh, that was kind of the, 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 he found a way of formulating the idea of synchronicity in a way that would be both kind of scientifically intelligible, but also uh, attentive to the wide range of categories in which meaningful coincidences uh, uh, manifest themselves. Yeah. Yeah, and so that he became more confident. I think also, of course, he realized he didn't have too much to lose anymore um, by being yeah. uh, potentially ridiculed by what was around him. Yes. And, and psychological transformation and the psychology of religious yes. experience. Uh, would you talk about Jung and you uh, in those ca in those those contexts? Yes, I think um, in in the first half of Jung's career, uh, the fo his focus was in many ways on bringing a uh, the relevance of spiritual um, the spiritual dimension of of the human being into psychology. Yes. Uh, Yes. And that was a, a, an enormous um, contribution, and he opened that up, uh, reopened that up, and and he, uh, in in doing that, his basic point was that all religions have a basis uh, in um, direct uh, religious experience that takes place uh, inside the the human psyche, in which there is an encounter with the sacred, with the numinous, uh, and uh, that in order to have an authentic uh, uh, religious um, life, one has to attend to that, that the interior, uh, this interior encounter with the sacred, with the, with the archetypal dimension of the, of the deep psyche. Uh, and for him, dreams, art, uh, myth, uh, etc., were all, as well as religious ritual, could all play a role. But then, um, as he integrated the phenomenon of synchronicities uh, into his understanding, uh, he really brought about a kind of radical transformation in what he saw as the psychology of religion, namely that it wasn't just the, the inner psyche that was um, supporting, uh, that was the container for uh, religious experience, but all the, the whole world, all of nature, was now seen as um, saturated with meaning and that was and, and supporting the process of religious transformation within the individual, that we don't live inside uh, like skin encapsulated egos, as Alan Watts put it, but rather we are embedded in larger fields of meaning that that pervade uh, the the natural world around us uh, and the cosmos itself. <clears throat> And, and so at that point, in a sense, he's opening up spirituality to a kind of uh, ecological, cosmological whole rather than have it be limited to just its, its man and God, you know, as it used to be said in that kind of <laughs> masculine patriarchal way, uh, that, that it's all about just those two uh, uh, beings instead of this, this much more um, global uh, and I think... Uh, generous uh, spiritual vision. Uh, I, we ha only have about three minutes left, and I've come to uh, believe that uh, synchronicity awareness can be a spiritual path. And by that I mean is seeing what you just described, that the, the world is filled with meaning, that, there, that when, when we're walking around, there's, there are what we might call symbols all around us uh, and that have meaning, that often have meaning for us. You can overdo that to self-aggrandizement or paranoia, if you will. But if you can find an, an, a neutral median where you can see that things around us are in a way, talking with us, involved with us, uh, trying to maybe have something to do with us to please us aesthetically, as you described. There's so much fun. There's so much. Uh, there's so much playfulness in coincidences. Sometimes it just. May, sometimes I have to say, "What are you guys doing? Well, how exactly. come this is? Well, what's what you doing with this?" And some another person on the show says, uh, "Yeah, they're very funny. These guys out there. Yeah. Or, or however you animate it, uh, it's it's all." 
all like play and uh, to potential enjoyment and being able to tune into that. You can't do that all the time. Sometimes you have to drive your car. Sometimes you have to sure. eat what you're eating. Sometimes you have to take care of your children or, or relate to somebody directly. But how does one in this last couple of minutes we have go back and forth to being able to be tuned in and then also do regular uh, five dimension five sensory uh, reality well I think uh, it's a matter of um, being able uh, to hold the multiplicity of our of our human faculties uh, in in play all the time uh, and be able to kind of skillfully move between these different modes um, uh, it's it it is a it's a balancing act. It's a it's a capacity to um, hold the tension of opposites, as Jung would say. Um, uh, I I I think to not be open to them is is a kind of uh, intellectual blindness and and an impoverishment of life. You know, you were bringing up the evolution of religion, and I think you can see that if we go uh, way back, that all all societies, all cultures that we know of, were essentially uh, synchronistic cultures. They they lived in a in in a world that in which um, the, this kind of patterning was was pervaded uh, all of nature. It's called participatio mystique. They, it was a mystical participation in in life. And then that got concentrated with the great axial religions, uh, say, like Judaism and... and uh, We only have uh, about 20 seconds left. Oh, my goodness. Yes, yeah, okay. so oh, my goodness so, is right. To, well, today, I, just to finish off, you know, today I think we're coming back to a recognition that uh, we live in a much more mysterious universe than the, the mainstream modern mind uh, accounted for. And we can be grateful for that opening. Yes, and you're very much helping with that. Uh, thank you very much, Rick. It's been a great, great pleasure having to, having you and listening to you. You've been listening to Connecting with Coincidence on the X-Zone Broadcast Network. Modern Esoteric, Beyond Our Senses by Brad Olson, consummates the lifeology story about where humanity originates. It is the lost continents, the primitive wisdom, the mythos of creation, and the rethinking of ancient history as we are taught in academia. There is much more to the story than what we have been told. As this is the first book in the Esoteric series, Modern Esoteric starts at the beginning of time and accelerates up to this modern age. Future Esoteric is book two in the series and takes a forward-looking position ahead of today with an open and honest examination of the ET issue and various unexplained phenomena. To discover the writings of author Brad Olson, visit www.bradolson.com. That's www.bradolson.com. Are you or is someone you know struggling with addictions, depression, anxiety, relationships, low self-esteem, lack of confidence, grief, success, and prosperity? Do you know that your subconscious belief plays a big role in the outcome of your hard work? We can help you permanently change the beliefs that may be the reason for your struggles and failures. We care about getting you the return on your investment and the results you are looking for. We can help you be free of the limitations of your past and in realizing your highest potential. We work with people by phone and Skype. For more information, visit us at www.ritasoman.com. That's www.ritasoman.com. Do you think you have energy problems in your home? Do you feel better when you're away than when you're home? Joey Korn is a global leader in the world of dowsing who specializes in personal energy clearing and space clearing. 
He can help you create an ideal energy environment in your home no matter where you live in the world. Learn about his remote spiritual house cleaning services and much more at www.dowsers.com. You can get Joey's book, Dowsing, A Path to Enlightenment, as well as other dowsing books and tools, Kabbalah books, and Walter Russell books. Joey's work is really amazing. Go to dowsers.com right now. That's D-O-W-S-E-R-S dot com or call 1-877-DOWSING. That's 1-877-369-7464.